0: Hey, everybody. Before we get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. And if you came here just for a fantasy show and think this is irrelevant, I want to say that uh, roughly half of us on this show have uteruses, and just about all of us inhabit bodies. And if we don't have the ability to make autonomous decisions about those bodies, then aside from that being a really grave violation of human rights, that makes projects like this one functionally impossible. You can learn more about all of this by visiting podvoices.help. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. I'm going to throw a few links in the show notes. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Okay, with that being said, there's no ads today. I did want to take a second to thank everyone who helps us make the show with their donations at patreon.com slash Nerd. In particular, I'd like to shout out John A.P., Cecilia, Cameron S., Kate M, Orlando, and JL. Now on to A Change of Scenery, Part 2. We'll be back with A Change of Scenery, Part 3, on August 28th, and I'll talk to you then. The
1: Once and Future Nerd, Book 2, Myth Made Flesh. Chapter 8, A Change of Scenery. Part 2 by Christian T. Kelly Madeira Traft, Maguire, and Arden, you'll recall, were in a bit of a tight spot. Deep below the Black Mountains, they had awakened something. It was certainly extremely large. Arden, you need to stay very... Very calm And given the scaled talon it had begun to reveal And the enormous hoard of treasure Amongst which it had until very recently slumbered Maguire had a very reasonable suspicion as to what it was I believe we are in the presence of a dragon Arden the Annihilator nodded his approval steeled his resolve And drew his dagger No Arden Just walk away Very carefully but Arden was already stalking his way up the wrist that was revealing itself from beneath a pile of silver trinkets. Arden! In the blink of an eye, another talon slammed into the wrist, the way a man might swat a fly but scaled up to a monstrous size. A lesser warrior than Arden would never have dodged the strike, let alone retain his footing. Unfortunately, he did not notice the back swipe of the tail. This blow sent him airborne to crash into a marble column some 30 yards away. The blow would have killed a normal man. Arden was merely knocked out cold. (laughs) Oh, to silver in with this! At the sight of this, Traft and his soldiers beat a hasty retreat from the cavern. Maguire, however, stayed put.
2: slumber. I shall burn flesh from your bones
1: and suckle upon your marrow. Great and venerable dragon, the disturbance was an accident and I humbly beg your forgiveness. Also for the rude behavior of the others with me. Be gone from here at once. What will you accept in exchange for safe passage? Accept? Yes, what do you want? I...
2: want to burn the flesh from your bones
1: and suckle upon
2: your marrow. We seek something
1: here. There must be something you would accept in return. Do not trifle with me, Riverling. The dragon opened their mouth and flared the plumage around their neck and inside their gaping maw literal sparks began to fly. I've known dragons in my time, O venerable one they have always been supremely rational creatures the sparks died down and the plumage receded I'm certain there's some bargain we can strike. (laughs) You've known more of my kind. Aye. I've known one, at least. You will tell me about them. I must insist. Not so far away as the raven flies, but quite far away as the mole burrows.
3: Yo! We gotta get out of this wind for a bit, or someone's gonna get frostbite!
1: Our hero's quest to reach the western part of the continent had proven quite unpleasant. The inclement weather, which you'll recall had made an overland route untenable, had only gotten worse. It was now making the path to the underground route treacherous as well.
4: Good thing there's a bunch of inns nearby, then.
1: There's an old
3: hermit over that ridge. Got a cabin. He'll let us warm up for a few. Jethro. Jethro, you old coot.
1: You may recall this particular cabin, but if you do, then your memories of it will not be especially warm.
3: You gotta come in. Sorry about this. Help me shut this thing! Great. Now, hold it down while I nail it shut. Will someone please shut him up?
4: How do you grow when the sun shines down? How do you grow in the spring? Do your leaves stretch long? Do you reach for the sky? Do you grow strong and tall in the spring? Whew. wonder
3: where old Jethro is. I have a hard time believing he finally bought the farm after all these years. On the other hand, I guess I don't. Well, in any case, I got us here and did the door. Someone else get the hearth going. I will. Should we prepare to stay the night? Not sure. Gonna have to shoot from the hip a little.
4: Shoot from the hip?
3: Wing it. Play it by ear. You never seen the way a bow slinger shoots out west? Regan shook her head no. The best ones don't have to raise their crossbows to eye level to hit their marks. They just shoot from the hip.
0: Are you one of the best ones?
3: Yeah, I'm alright.
0: Interesting. Regan did
1: her best not to grimace as she flexed the muscles of her wounded arm. It hung in its sling just above hip level.
3: To answer your question, if the storm lets up at all tonight, I strongly suggest we huff it then. It's less than a mile of the cave entrance we're using. Otherwise, we leave by first light, blizzard or no. Wait any longer, the cave's liable to snow over. Then we're well and truly screwed.
1: By now, Ylilwin had lit enough lamps to render the party's current lodgings visible. Yo,
5: what the fuck is up with that painting?
3: Yeah, he's had that for a while. Old codger has some strange tastes, you ask me, but then what do I know about fine
5: art? I'm gonna turn it around or something. Those eyes are bugging me out. Hey, yo, there's uh, like a a little cubby back here behind the painting, just a totally normal, not at all sketchy hole in the wall behind the creep-ass painting.
3: Anything in it?
5: Uh, Looks like some kind of book. A book? A book.
3: No supplies, huh? All right, somebody gather up all the blankets lying around, and I know the old man had a larder in here somewhere, maybe hidden, so help me look for it. Is
0: that going to be a problem if this guy turns out not to be dead?
3: I'll leave behind some money, don't worry. And uh, if it came to it, no. Jethro might give you the willies, but he was very old.
4: This looks hand-bound. And handwritten, and this is a peculiar style of leather I can't say I've ever seen it's like before. Looks like it's a diary or something. Do you know what these charts and symbols mean?
1: Seeing at last what Jen was pointing to, Nia hastily closed the book.
4: (gasps) We should not be here. This Jethro may have been old, but he was dangerous. Or at least he kept very dangerous company.
3: What do you mean, dangerous?
4: There is Templar magic in this book.
3: You mean those spooky geezers with the hoods? The same. Like I said, as soon as the snow lets up, we're
1: gone.
4: Nelson, you should hang on to this book. But take care who finds out you have it.
1: Having said her piece, Nia nodded politely to the Pennsylvanians and then left them in their corner of the cabin.
4: Now, let's see. If I were in a chaos cult, where would I hide my foodstuffs?
5: Man, what did you and Nia talk about on the boat?
4: I mean, it's not really our business. Unless it is.
5: Right. Um, okay. I guess we've got some time, so where to start? So you know those dreams everyone's been having? Over the next several minutes,
1: Nelson did his best to summarise his conversation with Nia and her mother to his compatriots. When he had finished, and looked up from his shoes to the faces of his interlocutors... He saw them both at a loss. A god.
4: Like, a god-god? Like, do they mean god the way we mean god?
5: Nelson shrugged his shoulders sheepishly. Do you have any powers? I don't know. Guess I'm supposed to, but... Remember when we were on that dude's farm? Neo was teaching us magic, and I tried to do it. I I really did, but I got nowhere. And Jin got it right away. So I just figured I wasn't good at magic
4: might be worth trying again, you know, in light of the maybe you're a god stuff.
5: You know how they say everyone thinks they're the hero of their own story? And you hear that, and you think, yeah, totally. Except not me, because I actually am the hero. (laughs) (laughs) I read so many books where it's like the nobody is secretly the chosen one or whatever. I think that was the only thing that got me through ninth grade, thinking like one day I'm destined to be special and now we're on some like no ship, real for real fantasy shit and that day on the farm i remember thinking i'm not special nothing about me's special
4: okay but even if you can't do magic you don't have to do magic to be special
5: okay then how am i special everyone's special if everyone's special then no one's special gotcha there
4: nelson You had two experienced priests, seriously considering that you might be a reincarnated god. That sounds pretty goddamn special to me. No offense.
5: Like, I feel deep down this might be true. But it also sounds fucking bonkers, right? So, am I just lying to myself because I really want it to be true? Do you really want it to be true? Yeah! I mean, not really. I don't know. I want to be powerful. Who doesn't? I want to protect people, and myself and stuff. But when someone tells you you might be a god, but also you're too out of touch with your godlike self to have any powers, it's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that information? Uh, get in touch with your godlike self? I mean, is there any version of the story where a kid finds out he's a god that ends well for that kid?
1: Jen looked over to Billy who gave as surreptitious a shrug as he could manage. Then she looked back to Nelson.
4: Maybe this is a new type of story.
1: She held his gaze for a long moment, and then, seeing that he was not comforted, placed a consoling hand on top of his. Billy took the cue and gave Nelson a few rough but amiable pats on the shoulder. This moment of empathy, however, was promptly interrupted. The chest! Regan was gesturing towards, as you might have guessed, a formidable chest in the center of Jethro's cabin.
0: That's the
4: first place I looked.
0: Move the chest and pick up the rug. I bet a tit there's a trap door in there.
1: Brennan and Yillowin immediately sought to comply with this order. Wait, stop. Listen.
3: You hear that?
5: I don't hear anything.
3: Exactly. Blizzard lit up. Getting' good, so we better get. What about the supplies? Yeah, we've got blankets, firewood, and dried oats. The rest we can scavenge, but if that pass snows over, we're here till spring.
1: And so, quickly gathering their accoutrements and stealing themselves anew for the cold outside, our party departed Jethro's cabin, leaving behind the oil painting in the corner and the door to the cellar.
3: There's the entrance right where I left her. Everyone ready? Once we go in. It's a three-day hike to the other side. Maybe two if we really haul ass. Looking to his
1: charges and seeing no objections.
5: Giddy up. Billy, listen to me carefully, okay? Don't touch anything, no matter how cool it looks.
1: Where did
2: you meet one of my kin?
1: Tell me. Oh, it was a long time ago. I was born around 3,000 years ago, if my math serves. River folk do not live that long. Not, not even the, the wood, wood folk live that long. Would,
2: Would you deceive me?
1: It sounds unlikely, but I swear it on the matron. My body was preserved long past when I should have been dead, and then reanimated by lowly.
2: This one of my tribe that you knew... Tell me about them. What did they call themselves?
1: What business did you have with them? I'm afraid I can't remember what he was called. Uh, Or... she. Uh, Forgive my stupidity, most ancient one. uh, I don't think I knew. This distinction is not meaningful to my kind. Continue
2: your story.
1: It's not. No. If I
2: may, O Venerable. Do not make yourself tiresome to me, Riverling. Continue as I said.
1: I, of course, we approached this venerable being because we sought their help in our fight. The elves are not scared of much, but you may know that your kind terrifies them. A justified fear. The tree
2: folk were considered a delicacy in many quarters. We
1: begged their aid, explained our plight, the justice of our position. I felt like they listened, really took what we said to heart. That was how I learned how your kind are so rational. But they said they would need time to think. And before they decided, we were captured. Do
2: you resent them this pause for contemplation? I would not dare. If you believe me rational, then you must believe lies anger me more than any truth.
1: Then yes, I did. But before long, it was the least of my woes. There is a parable, my
2: kind tell. There once was one of us who was very wise. The wisest, some would say. They made no decision which did not have unassailable logic behind it. One day, they were sat atop
1: admit, I knew your kind were wise, but not that they were funny.
2: That parable is not considered a joke, and I did not intend it to amuse you. I intended it as an apology that is not fully mine to give. It is true, my kind thinks carefully on our decisions, and that is nothing to apologize for but the lives of your kind can seem so fleeting compared to ours. Sometimes we forget how much they nevertheless contain. This is an error. You are most gracious, O Venerable One.
1: Now, to your point about the lives of my kind, I should like to begin negotiations, if it please you. What do you say in here. Well, safe passage to begin with. I assumed
2: you did not desire unsafe passage. What else?
1: We came to these caves seeking a weapon from my time. An enchanted shield. But now, it seems I have found a vastly more powerful weapon. If I understand
2: your hope, then you should abandon it. I am oath bound to never again take the life of a sentient creature.
1: Even to save the lives of other such creatures. It is not my place to decide which lives are more worthy.
2: And, and it's not, not your place, place to
1: question my oaths. Of course. Forgive my presumption. What would you accept for a safe passage and for your leave to search for the abandoned shield?
2: I shall grant you both the things. If you can defeat me in a game of riddles. Riddles? Long Long. has it been since my wits were challenged. I relish the opportunity.
1: And if I lose, I suppose you'll find a way to square all that flesh burning and marrow suckling with your oath somehow.
2: Flesh burning? Yes. "'Twas an empty threat, I confess. But you shall not leave this chamber until you have bested me. And since there is little in here for you to eat or drink, I suggest you give it your all.
1: I understand. May I first rouse the one you swatted away before? It bodes ill to sleep like that after an injury. Very well. Arden! Arden, can you hear me? Best to wake up now. Mm. There's a good lad. Now, I want you to listen to me and stay very kind. Vanquist the dragon! Ah! The dragon took one look at the large, armed man dashing towards them and flicked him away with a single digit of their talon, whereupon he crashed into a pile of treasure and fell still once again. Oh, ah. Arden, there's a parley happening. Parlay boring. Yes, I know, so terribly boring. Why don't you go and find the general and his friends? Wait with them until I send for you.
3: Uh, I shall bide my time.
1: Please do that. Pray forgive the manners on that one. The matron works through many instruments. Some are not as sharp as others. Hmm. So then, riddles. Aye, as agreed. Who begins? You are the guest. What walks on four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon? A man. A didn't even finish the- It walks on three legs in
2: the evening. It's a metaphor for the life cycle of your kind.
1: How did you- Everyone knows that riddle. That's the, the one riddle, riddle that everyone knows. Blast it. Feels like only yesterday I heard that for the first time nearly blew my skull open. I suppose it's been propagated widely in 30 centuries since. Yeah. It is my turn, you must
2: grant me a pause for contemplation.
1: Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Glass and Christian T. Kelly Madeira and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. The associate producer is Alec Storey. It is performed by...
4: Rhiannon Angel
1: Garrett Arman Dan Dobransky
4: Anya Gibeon
1: Ian Hawkins
4: Shannon Harris Aaron Lanham
5: Paul Notice, Anna O'Daniel April Ortiz Frank Quarez
4: Julie Reed Regina Renee Russell. Gregory M.
1: Schultz.
5: Editing by Tristan
1: Stone. Foley, sound design and post-production mixing by Edward Bush. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit.